Well, it's a new year, which means New Year's resolutions. Woo! Right? Yeah. Not a whole lot of excitement about that. Uh, did you know uh, that only uh, 38.5% of American adults make a New Year's resolution, uh, yet only 9% actually keep to it? Maybe why, that's why there's not so much enthusiasm. Um, of those who do quit, 23% don't make it through the first week, and 64% have given up by February. So while, while we want to see the change that our yearly resolutions bring to our life, we're not always willing to fully commit to the change because change is hard. And, and so subsequently, people give up because, well, they either lose motivation, uh, they've not prioritized their goals, or they swap their resolutions for newer, more relevant ones for their lives. Uh, perhaps... Perhaps, maybe, rather than, than adding something to our already busy lives and our busy schedules, perhaps we should start the new year with a strategic plan to begin of removing the old. Those old destructive habits and mindsets that are preventing us from stepping into all that God has for us in this upcoming year. And, and you know, I, I believe that that our spiritual growth, it's determined much more by subtraction than it is by addition. That, that we, we often grow more in our relationship to God by the things that we, we let go of, we, we take out of our lives, than, than the things that we add more and more and more of. And so when we are committed to letting go of the things that, that have been holding us back from making our dreams a reality, we become more motivated to see the changes actually stick. And so here's the question is, is what do you need to let go of to live in the abundant life that Jesus offers you? And this is, this is a great time. Maybe you don't need to make New Year's resolutions, but this is a great time to be asking ourselves just some really good questions. And so here's, here's three just really good questions. Even if you're not a church person, these aren't church questions. These are just good questions. Uh, so here they are. The first one is, is, what do I need to stop? What do I need to stop? Second is, what do I need to change? And then lastly, what do I need to start? And it's important that that one comes last, only after the other two. Now, these are all questions about change, just slightly nuanced. And and why we don't seem to agree about much, much of anything, something that I think that just about every person can agree on is this. Change is hard. Like really, really hard. Change often in the moment, it's not a whole lot of fun. The, the, when you're in the middle of it, Whatever that change might be, change is stressful, change is demanding, change and comfort, they, they cannot coexist because change, it stirs some stuff up, it shakes some stuff up, it agitates some stuff, it agitates us. But hear me that the only thing that is scarier than change is regret. Well, let me say that again. The only thing scarier, the only thing worse than. The only thing to be feared more than change is the fear of regret. And so today, I want us to, to lean into the agitation that change causes us a little bit. And I know it can be frightening to let go of the things that, that God might be asking us to let go of, that, that we, can, we can so often just hold so tightly to the things that we're familiar with, we're comfortable with, 
even when we know that it's not the best for us, it's not what God wants for us in the long run. So rather than, than embracing a, a change that requires us to step out in faith and trust God more, we, we often retreat back to and gravitate those, towards those things that, that we're just comfortable in, even if it's not a healthy place to be in. And so today I want to I take us to a passage of scripture for this new year. It comes from uh, the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 21. We're going to be kind of all over uh, chapter 2 today. But, but here it is, uh, verse 21. This is Jesus talking. Uh, Jesus says, No one sews a new piece of unshrunk cloth on old clothes. Otherwise, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and makes a worse tear. Now, a few of you like understand that. Uh, but if you're like me, you need a little bit of explaining here. So if you put a, a new piece of unwashed, undried cloth on an old coat, patch it over a hole, then, then once that, that new piece is washed and dried along with the old, that new piece shrinks and it pulls away from the old. The tear becomes worse. It, it's like it's like when you put um, your medium sweater in the dryer for the first time and it comes out a schmedium, right? Same principle applies here. And so now everybody who's listening to Jesus would, would have understood his little parable here because back then clothes were really expensive. And so you would wear them for, for a long time. There was no seasonal wardrobe change or concern for what is in style. No, you, you wore your clothes out. If it got a hole, then you would patch it up. You wouldn't dare throw it out like we do today. But, but you had to patch them up the right way. Old with the old, new with the new. And so everybody who is listening to Jesus would have said, yeah, yeah Jesus, you're, you're telling us stuff that, that we've known ever since that we were children. And then Jesus says, well, let me tell you something else that you already know. Next verse, verse 22. He says, no one pours new wine into old leather wineskins. Otherwise, the wine would burst the wineskins and the wine would be lost and the wineskins destroyed. But new wine is for new wineskins. Now, again, let me explain this. Um, they didn't have wine bottles back then. They had wineskins to hold the wine in. Th those skins were made up of animal skins that had been cleaned and cured. They, they were leather. But over time, uh, those skins would become kind of rigid and brittle after being dried out and used over and over again. And so new wine, which is Grape juice that is in the process of being fermented, meaning that you've put some sugar and some yeast into it. When it is bottled in these new wineskins, it begins to ferment. Gases are released. And these fermented gases, they start to expand the skin. And so if you put new wine, fermenting wine, into old wineskins, as the wine ferments, it's going to burst the wineskin. Now, new wineskins, though, on the other hand, that had not been used before. They, they were strong enough, that they were, they were pliable enough, flexible enough to be stretched by these fermenting gases without bursting. All of that's interesting. Maybe you've learned a history lesson and a science experiment, um, but, but it doesn't really mean much. Uh, it, 
except from uh, the context that this is given in, that Jesus is talking about here. You see, Jesus, uh, he's in the middle of a debate with some people, the religious leaders of the day, who are questioning him and his followers as to what, why they're not keeping some of the old things, why they're not upholding some of the old rituals and traditions, the old ways of doing things, the, the old ways of, of relating to God, which meant that, well, you've got to fast on certain days. You've got to pray a certain way. You've got to be around uh, these kinds of people. You've got to go here to find God. You, you've got to do the right things in order to be right with God. And then Jesus shows up and, and he says, look, you can't fit my new teaching into your old practices. Just like you can't pour new wine into old wineskins. You can't, you can't hold on to my message, my truth, my, my way of relating to God and still try to uphold the old ways of doing things. Still trying to uphold the, the temple sacrificial system. Because I am the sacrifice once and for all. You can't, you can't hold on to my message of, of grace for all and to your old way of thinking that, that God is only for certain people. You can't hold on to my message of forgiveness that is done by me for you and, and still hold on to your way of thinking that, that you've got to do certain things in order to gain God's favor, that you can only be forgiven if... Jesus is saying that this new message that he came to bring, it can only be contained in a heart that, that is palatable, that is flexible, that can be stretched and undergo the pressures of Jesus's teaching, the, the agitation that comes from, from letting his message kind of ferment within us. That, that if our hearts are, are stiff and rigid, and maybe a little brittle, then they're not going to be able to withstand the message of Jesus that, that is challenging to us. Because Jesus's message, it should challenge all of our lives. And we cannot have competing principles here. We, we can't continue to live our lives the way that we have always lived our lives and continue to call Jesus our Lord. Comfort and, and change cannot coexist. They, they will tear each other apart. We can't trust in our own ability to, to save ourselves and try to follow Jesus at the same time. That, that's what all of this comes down to, these parables. And yet, how many times, how many times do we try to live our lives the, the same way we used to live our lives, but now we've just sown a few holy patches on that we, we've put on the patches of, of ritualistic Christianity, thinking that will save our tired, worn-out lives. Friends, our faith, our faith is not like we're trying to collect Christian merit badges. You know, oh, I attended church, patch. <laughs> I, I prayed, I read my Bible today, patch, 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 patch. I've, I've done some good deeds. Our, our faith, it's not like, attaining merit badges that, that are sewn on to our old worn out garment of life. The, the New Testament um, followers of Jesus, they, they would say things like this all the time. They'd say, no, you've got to be clothed in Christ. 
a, a brand new garment. Don't, don't try to just put the old, the new on top of the old. You've, you've got to be completely clothed in Christ. You, you can try to collect all the Christian merit badges that you want, but it's like sewing them on old, worn out rags. And you can't earn your salvation. It's a gift. That's why we call it grace, unearned, unmerited favor from God to you for the purpose of changing you. You see, it is a gift, but it is a gift that comes with some consequences. It will completely change your life. It's like, it's like hitting the reset button on your soul following Jesus, it's, it's not some extracurricular activity. It's not some hobby. It's not something on, on the side in addition to. It's something completely brand new. It's new wine, and you can't pour new wine into old wineskins. You can't follow Jesus and continue to live the way that you have always lived before. You can't be devoted to Christ and be devoted to sinful behaviors. You can't take on the same mindset of Christ and continue to view others and the world in the same destructive patterns that you have always viewed them. There has to be a change, and Jesus offers us that. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, famous verse, he says, So then, if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation, The old things have gone away and look, new things have arrived. The the old is is passing away and and you've got something new before you to take hold of. And I will say, because this is my life, I will say that, that once you experience life with Jesus, follow him truly, fully engaged, he will ruin your life. He will. It's, it's like new wine in an old wineskin. But once you experience that new wine, once you experience that new life with Jesus, you will be ruined for anything less than that in this world. And so back to uh, Mark chapter 2. A little bit more context. This is why Jesus has this debate with the religious leaders in the first place. And he says to them all these things about uh, old, old garments and new patches and new wine and old wine skins. Um, he says, you know, I'm, I'm doing something new here, a new way of relating to God. You need to open up your eyes because the kingdom of God is, is here. It's near to you. Open up and receive it. But they were hesitant to do so because uh, they're this is a story that kind of started this feud between Jesus and the religious leaders. Remember, this is Mark chapter two, comes right after chapter one. So this is early on in Jesus's ministry. And so here it is, um, starting at verse one. It says, after a few days, Jesus went back to Capernaum and people heard that he was at home. And so many gathered that there was no longer space, not even near the door. So he's in some, some house at this point. And Jesus was speaking the word to them. He's, he's teaching them about God. Some people arrived and four of them were bringing him a man who was paralyzed. They couldn't carry him through the crowd. So I love this. So they tore off part of the roof above where Jesus was. That, that's a way to solve that problem, right? 
When they had made an opening, they lowered the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, the faith of the friends, he said to the paralytic, child, your sins are forgiven. Some legal experts, that's the religious leaders of the day, were sitting there muttering among themselves. Why does he speak this way? He's insulting God. Only the one God can forgive sins. Jesus immediately recognized what they were discussing, and he said to them, why do you fill your minds with these questions? Which is easier? To say to a paralyzed person, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your bed, and walk. But so you will know that the human one, that's how Jesus refers to himself sometimes, that, uh, that the human one has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who is paralyzed, get up, take your mat, and go home. Jesus raised him up, and right away he picked up his mat and walked out in front of everybody. They were all amazed, praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Yeah, you never have. It's new. I mean, that's, that's a wild story. There's, there's so much in there that, that we could talk about. I love like the faith of the friends brings about his healing and this whole thing of Jesus being God and forgiving sins. But, but what caught my attention when I was reading it um, was this man's mat, his, his bed. The, the mat gets a lot of airtime in this story, which is really strange for, for Mark who, who wrote the gospel because Mark, um, Mark doesn't like to waste time. So he doesn't give us a whole lot of details. Like if you compare Mark to, to Luke or Matthew, those are full of details, but Mark is just like, let's get to the point here. Okay. Don't, don't worry about the details. I, I just want to tell you who Jesus is, what he has done. We, we don't need all the details, but, but Mark here, he gives a lot of airtime to this mat. He, he mentions the mat four times in this story. Jesus says to the, to the man, heals him, and he says, get up, take your mat, and go home. Which, which if you think about it, that's kind of a strange thing to tell a healed person to do. Uh, you're healed. Um, be sure to take your sickbed with you out the door, okay? Thank you. Like, why, why on earth? Why on earth would he tell this person to take this particular souvenir with him. It, it, would be like, it would be like getting your cast taken off and then insisting on lugging around that overripe shell back home with you from the doctor's office. Like, why, why would you do that? So why, why does Mark name this detail? Uh, maybe... Maybe it's just a way of, of showing that the paralytic, the paralyzed man, he's, he's so healed that he can not only walk, but he can pick stuff up too. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, or maybe it's just the recognition that this man is still going to need a place to sleep because in all likelihood he was, he was homeless or certainly he was a beggar laying around all day asking for money. So he would need something to sleep on once he's mobile again. Or, or maybe it's just... It's just really simple and pragmatic. Hey, this is a crowded room. We need the space. Get that old thing out of here. But then I think, I think this man's life, it, it was now for 
forever changed from this moment on because of Jesus. His life would never be the same. After that day, he heard the music of forgiveness and he stood on his own two feet. The story starts off, he's, he's carried in by his friends, but now he carries and he carries on. The, the old life is gone and the new has begun. He, he's, now, he's now part of this new creation in Christ Jesus. Old is gone, new has come. Sure, yeah, but Jesus still says, but be sure to take that old mat with you. I think, I think it might be, it might be Jesus' way of saying, I want you to carry this moment with you. Wherever you go into the future, that this, this new life that you have been given, this grace that you have received, this new creation that you now are, don't forget where you have come from. Take your mat with you because that, that mat, that's your story. And you've got a story to tell wherever you go. I wonder, is, is there anybody in here who, who has a story to tell? Anybody who's, who's got some, some old mats, you don't, you don't need them anymore, but they remind you of where you have come from, who you used to be, the old you, and who you are now in Christ. That there is now a marked difference between who you were and who you are now, from your starting point to where you stand today on your own two feet. Is there anybody who has got some mats that they can point to that shows where your old life was, who you used to be, and where you are now with Jesus? Some things that you stopped, some things that you let go of, some things that you started as you walked into a new life because Jesus got a hold of you. Or at least I should say there, there should be. There, there should be some, some marked changes. And maybe if not, maybe I would suggest maybe Maybe you've been trying to make Jesus fit within the old. The, the maybe, maybe you've just sewn a, a Christian patch over an old garment and it's tearing away. That, that you've put the new wine of Jesus into an old way of life. Friends, I, I've seen it before. It won't last. It, it, just, it just won't. And there will come a point where you're going to have to abandon one. And so what do you choose? Today, I want to invite you. I want to invite you from whatever your starting point is, whatever, whatever your starting point is with, with Jesus, to follow him. And maybe you've been following Jesus for, for a while now. That's great. Keep it up. More power to you. But maybe there are some of you who, who realize that, that like, well, you're maybe more of a fan of Jesus than you are a follower. That, that you do the church thing, 
you, you pray sometimes, you, you try to try to be a good person, you know, you're, you're trying to, to do some things, but, but as long as it doesn't disrupt or agitate your life too much, you, you follow Jesus, but, but from a distance, a safe distance where, where he can't mess things up too much. But you know, there's some things that you need to let go of. And you can see that the Jesus patch that you put on over your old life is, is beginning to tear away at the fabric because change and comfort are incompatible. You see it starting to fray. You, you feel that tension. I bet you're not the only one that can see it in your life too. And so today you're invited to follow Jesus to become a part of the new creation, to let go of the old. The old is gone and, and, and to step into a new life. Or maybe, maybe you've never decided to follow Jesus. Today, I want to invite you to take that first step. Follow Jesus and allow him to beautifully ruin your life for the better. To, to beautifully ruin your life for a better life, a more abundant new life. And I promise you, it, it's going to be painful. But I promise you, it will make you a better person. And not simply because you believe something. I'm, I'm not asking you to, to believe something. I'm asking you to begin to do something, to, to change because doing makes all of the difference. And that's, that's the invitation to follow Jesus. To, to not just be a fan, to, to not, just, not just check an intellectual box, I, I believe, but to, to actually try to guide your footsteps in the way of Jesus. And so here's, here's the great thing, is that you're not saying yes to a list. You're, you're not saying yes to a law. You're saying yes to a person. A person with one single, simple, all-encompassing, terrifying command. He said that you are to treat people the way that he has treated you. You are to love one another the same way that I have loved you. Follow me and follow me into this different way of living, this different way of life, this totally different worldview. Not a list, not a law, a person a person who came for you, a person who invites you because he loves you. He loves you so much that he went to the cross for you, had his body broken and his blood shed. All to say, I've come to do a new thing, that the old has passed away. New life is here now, this new resurrected life.